Well, there is a lot involved in parenting, isn't it? Uh, can sometimes make you feel overwhelmed. And really, you know, from a young age, you realize the kind of influence you really do have in your kids' lives. And sometimes I think that can almost stir up some fear, like this huge responsibility that we have to raise our kids the way that we want to. Uh, but then, of course, that just adds to all the other fears in life. So I just want to start with a little fear study this morning, just by a show of hands, honestly. How many of you are afraid of the dark? Let me see your hands. How many of you are afraid? How many of you are more afraid of the dark if someone's attacking you while you're in the dark? Okay, yeah, all right. So, yeah, we're more afraid. Uh, how many of you have a fear of heights? Fear of heights. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm afraid of heights or I'm afraid of falling, but I think they're kind of one and the same. Uh, how many of you have a fear of public speaking? Anybody? Okay, and how many of you have a fear of flying on an airplane? Yeah, actually, that's one of the biggest. Uh, public speaking is a big one. Also, flying on an airplane is a big, big fear for people. And, you know, when you fly in an airplane, it really makes a lot of sense if, if you're full of fear just because of what you had to go through to get on that airplane in the first place, right? Induces a little fear. The strip search, going through all of your stuff, going through, you know, security, all of the metal detectors. You're like, what is happening right now, right? That induces a little fear. And then you actually, you get on the plane and it actually gets worse. Uh, because as you sit there and listen, the flight attendants start going through worst possible case scenarios. Uh, they say things like, just in case all of the oxygen gets sucked out of this plane, little masks are going to fall from the sky, right? And you're, you're thinking to yourself, I mean, does this happen often? I mean, is this something I should be concerned about? And half the time, we're not even paying attention to all these instructions, right? But it literally, it drops from the top of the deal. And then, you know, they say something like, you know, if you have young children, secure your own mask first and then put on, and then put on their mask. So they're saying, you know, ignore your kids, focus on yourself. And then once you have that mask on your face after it's lowered and you're now in a deep dive, apparently, because you're about to crash. Then at that point, once you've got the mask on, give the little ends a gentle tug. And if you're in a nosedive, who in the world can gauge a gentle tug at that point, right? I mean, you are freaked out of your mind. Yet you're supposed to put on this oxygen mask. And then they say things, if we happen to have a water landing, which is code word for if we crash in the ocean or in a body of water, the seat you are sitting on actually will become a, do you know, a flotation device, right? Not something useful like a jet ski. I mean, that would be cool, would it not? I mean, it's 2020. They should turn into a jet ski somehow. I think that would be really, really cool. But here's a question that I want to ask you this morning as we talk about purposeful care. Um, why is it that you think, why do the flight attendants ask you to put on your oxygen mask first before you put on the oxygen mask of your child, right? That's a good question. Why do they do it? Because it seems to go against common sense. If the airplane is going down and you're about to crash, you want to pay attention to your kids first. That's what a good parent does, right? We're always taking care of our kids first. But they say, no, 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 do not put on their mask first. Put on your mask first. Because if you are gasping for breath, it's going to be really hard for you to help anyone else. And also, you've got to have enough oxygen going to your brain so you don't pass out. Because if you pass out on the plane, what help are you for your kids? None, 
right? So the oxygen keeps your brain thinking smoothly, keeps you from passing out, and that's really important. And how annoying would it be if I spoke the rest of the message like this? Right? It'd be very annoying. So I won't do that to you, right? So, so important. And this analogy and principle is the same in raising kids and investing in your family. And it's this thought right here, right on your notes. Before you can take care of your family, you must first take care of yourself. Before you can take care of your family, you must first take care of yourself. Because if I don't, come on, let's be honest. If I don't take care of myself, if I'm not emotionally healthy, if I'm not physically healthy, if I'm not getting good rest, uh, if I'm not leaning into new things, if I'm not growing spiritually or moving forward, then as much as I would like to help my family, I simply can't be as effective as I want to be. Because if I am trying to parent and lead my family out of a depleted state, they are not going to get the best of me. And so an overarching theme for today is just this saying right here, and it's your next fill-in, that a healthy me equals a healthy we. Can we say that together? A healthy me equals a healthy we. A healthy me equals a healthy we. And in the book of Mark, a very well-educated man uh, approached Jesus and asked him a very interesting question. And he says, of all the commandments in the Bible, which, by the way, there's more than 620 in the Old Testament that people had to follow. It was part of their Jewish custom. And so knowing that there were so many, this man came to Jesus and said, what is the most important commandment out of all of them? Wow. Difficult to narrow this thing down. But Jesus was all about simplifying, simplifying the truth, simplifying the steps to God, all of that. And Jesus answers by saying, well, I'm going to give you the top two. How about that? And here they are. Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And the second one is this, Mark 12, 31. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And over time, I think this has become one of the most well-known scripture verses. Uh, kind of ties in with the golden rule, and we've got kind of all heard these things before. Uh, and for the most part, when we see that scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, we understand and resonate with what Jesus is trying to communicate. That if we focus on others, and in the context of this parenting series, if we focus on our kids the way we focus on ourselves, the world would be a much better place. If we treated our kids the way we treat ourselves, if we loved others, or we loved our kids the way we love ourselves, it's going to set them up for success. Here's the problem that I have with that. That you fast forward 2,000 years from the time that was written and enter into our culture. And although that we can be self-centered at times, I'm not sure that we appear to love ourselves all that much. I mean, just look at some of the ways that we care for ourselves. What would it look like if you treated your kids the way that you treat yourself when it comes to the quality of sleep you get, right? Or the kind of physical health you keep yourself in? What if we expected them to eat lunch, what we eat for lunch, which is sometimes just a donut and a Mountain Dew on the run? I mean, not that any of us do that. Of course we don't. We eat a well-balanced five, you know, we, we got the government thing, right? I mean, we, we get it, right? We're so healthy. 
What happens when your boss calls and says, hey, you've got to work the weekend, and you say to your kids, if i got to work the weekends, you're working the weekends, and uh, you don't get to have any fun time, you don't get to have any downtime, we're just we're going to do that together. Um, what if we let our kids carry the same burdens that we often carry? Because the truth is, we carry a lot of burdens. We take on a lot. I mean, you just think the burden of parenting, the immense responsibility is the closest thing to our heart, yet it's a ton of responsibility and care. And so that adds a layer of burden to us. Or the burden of different relationship issues going on, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendships, whether it's family stuff going on, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, an ex, whatever it might be, there's a burden of relationship that we often carry. Uh, the burden of career, wanting to do more or be more, or something, someone is expecting more of you and you like it some days and you hate it other days, careers can be a big burden. Or the burden of finances, right? Trying to provide all the needs and wants for your kids, and wow, that can be an incredible load to carry. Or what about our health? Trying to keep it all balanced health-wise. You know, and I know as you start entering your 40s, it gets harder and harder, right? Age and stress do not help you, right, manage health very well. They just don't. Uh, the burden of fear. And when you're parenting, there can be some real fears. Some irrational uh, some rational, but it's a big burden. Maybe it's a burden of hurts. It's uh, unforgiveness and disappointments and rejection. That piles on, or it's failures, right? You look at your life and you look at the regrets or the mistakes or the wish you had some do-overs. That adds a layer of burdens. And just the emotion of life, and whether you're struggling with depression or anxiety, or the highs and lows, the ups and downs. It can just be a lot. And these are enormous burdens that tend over time to stack upon one another. And life has a way, and we've all experienced it. Life has a way of adding layer upon layer upon us. And even though we don't realize it many times, it really affects the way that we parent. Right? It's the unintended consequences of the heavy burdens that we carry. We don't even realize how stress is affecting us. We don't even realize how being depleted in sleep is affecting us as parents. We don't even realize physically, you know, when we're depleted, on and on and on. Uh, this, it was about a month and a half ago. Um, you know, I was just dealing with some stress, and, and, you know, Tara, she can kind of pick up on that stuff, and she's good about telling me that, and then I'm good about saying, no, I'm not. I'm not stressed out. I'm just fine, you know, and so whatever. But anyway, we're working on it. So anyway, I was talking to one of my kids, and I was like, all right, you guys got to go to bed, and one of my kids wasn't going to bed, and I just lost my temper, and I got really mad, and I yelled at him, and I said, you need to get in bed, and you haven't been listening, and bop, 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 bop. And he just stopped, and with tears in his eyes, he's dad, he said, Dad, I just feel like you've been nothing but mad at me for the last couple weeks. I feel like all you are is mad at me. And I had to just hit the pause button, and I had to reflect, and I had to really own that. And as I owned it and as I reflected, what I realized is that there were some layers of stress and burdens going on. And my margin was very little. And it came out in my parenting in a way that I didn't want it to. And I had to go back and I had to apologize to him and say, I'm sorry. And I think as parents, and I mean, we're in the trenches with you. If you have kids, I mean, we're raising four kids and so we're right alongside with you. But We've discovered this truth, and I think all of us understand it, but we just forget it, and it's this, your next fill-in, that life will often push us until we have very little margins left, 
and we end up parenting in a way that we regret. Life just has a way of doing this to us. Life pushes us until we have no margin left and we end up parenting in a way that we regret. Author John Ortberg, he wrote this and I thought it was pretty interesting and uh, it was something that I think that all of us could identify with. He said, I look in on my own children as they sleep at night and I think of the, other, and I think of the kind of father I want to be. I want to create moments of magic I want them to remember laughing until the tears flow. I want to have slow, sweet talks with them as they're getting ready to close their eyes. I want to chase fireflies with them, teach them to play sports, have food fights, and hold them and pray for them in a way that makes them feel cherished. I look in on them, he writes, and I remember how the day really went. I remember how they were trapped in a fight over a game, and I walked out of the room because I didn't want to spend the energy needed to teach them how to resolve conflict. I remember how my daughter spilled cherry punch at dinner and I yelled at her as if she'd revealed some deep character flaw. I yelled at her even though I spill things all the time and there's no one there to yell at me. And to tell you the truth, I yelled at her because she's, big, she's little and I'm big and I can get away with it. I remember how at nights I didn't have slow, sweet talks but merely rushed the children off to bed so I could have more time to myself. I'm disappointed not just with my life as a father. I'm disappointed with my life as a husband, friend, neighbor, and human being in general. And when I read that, it stuck out to me because I thought, here's a, here's a guy having an honest moment. That oftentimes how we parent doesn't measure up to our intents, our intentions as parents. And so what's the difference? The difference oftentimes is life's burdens and the lack of margins that push us to a place that we don't have the patience to deal with that. We don't have the energy to deal with that. We don't have the mental energy to talk through that, to think through that. Our margins become so thin that we end up parenting in a way that we regret. And if I were to ask you, how many of you have ever lost it on someone, coworker, neighbor, friend, right? And we'd all raise our hand. And then oftentimes what happens is we realize after the fact that really what was happening wasn't that big of a deal. It was just that I was overspent. I was overextended. I was stressed out and emotional. Right? How many times have we had to go back and apologize because of situations like that? And then as parenting, the next layer of burden that doesn't help a whole lot is then you feel guilty as a parent. Right? When your kid says to you with tears in his eyes, I feel like all you've been is mad at me lately. It doesn't sit really well with you. It makes you feel like a bad dad. Like, how am I not aware enough to regulate those margins? And why am I taking out my frustrations on my kids instead of placing them where they need to be? So we carry this guilt. Adds another layer of burden. It's just kind of this cycle. The truth of this, a lot of this happens because as parents especially, we're so busy giving our time to everything and everybody else that we don't take time for us. We don't recognize that a healthy me equals a healthy we. Um, let me illustrate it this way. How many of you are NASCAR fans, racing fans? Anybody? Anybody? All right, there's a couple of you. Jesus can set you free from that. Just want to let you know. <clears throat> and some people say it's a sport. And I mean, I, I, I'm not here to argue whether or not it's a sport. But I'm just saying, how hard can it be when you drive straight, turn left, drive straight, turn left, drive straight, 
turn left. I mean, how hard can that be? I mean, you get the picture, right? I mean, this is it. Anyway, we're not going to debate that today. Anyway, what I would like to say is that while it doesn't seem like there's a lot to it, there is a key part of the strategy for winning every car race. And it's to schedule pit stops along the way in strategic moments. And it's a time, right? That car's got to stop and get refueled, get a quick tire change, and it's on its way. And it doesn't take long, but it's needed to win the race. Uh, There's a famous race car driver. His name is Kyle Larson. And he was in the lead with four laps to go in the Daytona 500 back in 2017. So just a couple years ago. The 24-year-old Larson was told to conserve fuel in the closing stages of the race instead of making another pit stop, but conceded it would be difficult since he spent parts of the third stage as the leader of the race and had to stay ahead of everybody else. So they made the decision, we're not going to do the pit stop. We're going to try to make it to the end. And he said, I knew we would be close on fuel. They told me to save as much as I could and the cautions and stuff. And when we went green, I was the leader and was wide open for a handful of laps. And once I fell back and we got back into single file line, I was able to run three-quarter or half throttle to keep everyone behind me. I could conserve some gas as much as, I could, as much as I could, just trying to get to the end. The white flag comes out, signifying the very last lap. And he seemed positioned to win the whole race. Larson knew it would be close, and as he came around the very last turn, he ran out of fuel. And while he could see the checkered flag waving, he went from first to last, just like that. He said, I had my fingers crossed, but just came up a half lap short on fuel. And when I read that story, it reminded me of us as parents. How often it seems we just run out of fuel because we haven't made the necessary pit stops to take care of ourselves. And so, in my opinion, your next fill-in, every parent, must purposely find time to stop and get renewed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. We gotta do it. We gotta find those moments. We gotta find the space for every parent to find, to stop, and to get renewed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's actually why God gave us the Sabbath. He said the the Sabbath is, is made for man. It's not made for me. He said this is for your rest. Right? To work six days and rest one. Uh, Exodus 20, 8 through 10, this is the description of the Sabbath. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work. See, even here, God knows us. He's created us. And he knows there needs to be a day almost every single week that we're scheduling a pit stop. Time to unplug, time to rest, time to recharge our batteries. And this is nearly impossible to do with kids unless you are doing it on purpose. Unless you become super intentional to say we've got to be able to recharge ourselves. And so I think God really established the Sabbath for two reasons, and it's right in your notes. And I just want to highlight these. First of all, to intentionally remind us of God's greatness and our dependency on him. This says, God, you are so great. And I recognize how much I need you. I know my work will be there tomorrow. 
And I recognize, God, that my dependency needs to rest on you, not on me. It's not all on me. It's not all about me. God, it's really about you and your greatness, and I want to lean into that. And then number two, the Sabbath is established because it forces us to realize the value of rest over busyness. Rest over busyness. When was the last time that you had a day with nothing going on? We all kind of chuckle a little bit, don't we? Hmm, if I were to look up that, I don't know when the last day would be, right? We tend to fill our schedules. We like busyness, and sometimes we equate busyness with effectiveness, and it just couldn't be further from the truth. But it's hard with kids, especially if they're involved in activities or sports or whatever it might be. Uh, you know, or you're running from daycare to work and all these things. It's just really hard to create some of that margin. It's hard to create that for us. But the Sabbath, God is saying, listen, it's going to help you focus and realize that as humans, we can't do it all. And that if we don't take time for ourselves, the end result will be that we are tired, we are stressed out, we are overextended, we are emotional, and ultimately we will be of little use to anyone else, most of all, our kids. Because a healthy me equals a healthy we. So your next fill-in. When we take time for God and ourselves, it gives us the emotional energy to be able to parent from a position of, what's that word? Health, right? Isn't that, a, isn't that a spot we all want to be? We do. We all want to parent from a position of health. And when we take time for God and ourselves, it gives us the emotional energy to parent from that position. Because remember, it has to be in you before it can be in them. It has to be in us before it can be in them. We can't say, do as I say and not as I do. No, 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 no. Kids will not do what you say. They will do what you do. That's how kids are. They become what they see in us. And so do they see us taking time to recharge? Do they see us taking time to care for ourselves? And so part of our priority from time to time is to schedule these pit stops to focus on me so I can parent my kids from a position of health. And at the end of the day, I'm only gonna be able to pass on what I have myself. So how do I do this? So in the last few minutes that we have, I just wanna real practically give you a couple ways that you can care for yourself. And I'm sure you have many more things that you can add. But the first one is this, to on purpose, spend some time with Jesus. Here's some things we can do on purpose. Spend time with Jesus. If it's early in the morning, if it's late at night after the kids go to bed, but shut off the TV, right? Put on some worship music. Take out your devotional or order a Bible online or order a devotional online, something that's just gonna help you every day. Read some of God's word that will guide you in prayer to say, God, I just wanna center my life back on you. I'm telling you what, burdens begin to erase. Burdens lifted as you spend time with your heavenly father. Look at this, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Do you not know and have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, another version says, those that wait on the Lord, that spend their time with him, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. 
wouldn't it be good to feel like a soaring eagle versus like a raggedy old, I don't know, something, right? I mean, just some animal just laying dead half in the street. I mean, that's how we feel as parents half the time, isn't it? We do not exactly picture ourselves as soaring eagles. But this is a game changer. Your heavenly father wants to spend time with you. He wants to give you his word. He wants to give you his presence. He wants to give you a strength and power. So spend time with him. Another practical way to care for yourself is to schedule tank fillers. Schedule tank fillers on a regular basis. Maybe this is going out with a friend or by yourself or on a date. Maybe for you, it's reading a book by a fireplace. Maybe it's coffee with a friend. Maybe it's a newspaper and a sunrise. Maybe it's a campfire. Maybe it's a craft or a hobby or going to a sporting event or playing flag football. I don't know what it is for you, but you know what it is. And when I, when I think about tank fillers, this is the word I think of, renewal. What is the thing that, or things that help you renew? And so I just want to give you 30 seconds, and I've got a line right on your notes. My tank fillers are, and I want you to fill some in right now. 30 seconds, go. Go ahead. And you can even share some of this with somebody around you or next to you. What are some of the tank fillers that you need to have to help fill up your tanks? What is it? things that help you renew. And if you're married, can I just speak to everyone for a second? If you're married and you're raising kids, spouses, we have to do a good job of creating space for these things in our spouse's life. Because when you make room for that, for your spouse, and they have something, some time to go fill their tank, they come back as a better spouse and as a better parent. We all know that's true, right? Intentionally, on purpose, carve out calendar time to fill tanks. Next thing, real practically, get physical exercise. This will give you physical and mental energy. And we know that science backs up how important it is to have this endorphin release inside of your body. My wife swears by it. She says, if I can get up early, and that's the first thing I do is go get my workout on. She says, I'm a better mom. I'm a better wife. She says, I'm just better at my job. It's just better all the way around. On the days that I miss, I'm not that great. And for a stretch here this fall, I wasn't doing very good. I was not doing that. And Tara got on me and she said, you got to do it. You got to do it. And so she's making me now do it. And so I'm going Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm getting to the gym after work just to get in some exercise. And I'm telling you what, it really does help. It really does help. Um, next way to practically hear for yourself, last one, and I'm sure you have others, but this is the last one I came up with, was just create pockets of silence. I've noticed as a culture, we don't do very well with silence. And it's why we always have the radio on. It's why we always have earbuds in. It's why we always have TV on in the background. Because when we have silence, it means we have to think. We have to process. And I think that's a lot of what drains us. In our culture, we just don't have any more space to think. We don't have any more space to like pray, to meditate, to just get along with your thoughts and to begin to think through the things that you need to think through. And as God guides those things, we can listen for his voice. It's impossible to hear his voice when we have a million distractions. So I think a couple of these things can really help us. You say, well, Ryan, isn't this kind of selfish? Right, if I'm just filling my tank all the time, isn't this kind of selfish? And I would say, 
I mean, if you're going out more than you're staying in, then yeah, probably. I mean, if you're like, honey, I know it's my fifth night out in a row, but I am really filling my tank, right? So that may be a little bit out of balance. Uh, but really it is. We've been talking this whole series. It really is about balance, right? To recognize that when that oxygen mass, you realize you need something, you put it on. Because a healthy me equals a healthy we. But an unhealthy me equals an unhealthy we. And that's so important. What are you doing? Let me ask you, where are you at physically? Where are you at mentally? Where are you at spiritually? Where are you at emotionally? Is it time to schedule a pit stop? Is it time? Because here's the truth. When we purposefully care for ourselves, we actually purposefully care for our kids. When we purposely care for ourselves, we're actually purposefully caring for our kids. So I want to encourage you to do that. And as we do this and lean in together, I think we're going to become better parents. So can I pray for you? Let's do it. Heavenly Father, God, we know that as raising kids especially, that there are so many demands in life that absolutely push us to the edge as parents to the point where there's no margin left. And there's not a parent in this room that would not admit that at times we've parented in ways we've regretted because of the lack of margin, because of the lack of personal health. And so I just pray by your spirit, as we start this next week, would you gently push us in the areas, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, move us into this place where we can get some personal health. To be really intentional, to carve it into our day, to carve it into our schedule, to provide it for our spouse, to provide it maybe even as grandparents, providing it for their kids who are raising kids, providing some space for you to renew us, recharge us, so that we can be the best parents that we possibly can be. It's what we want. But we're asking for your help and we need it. So lead us and guide us in these areas, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.